Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. This is your host, Will, here with all the voice cracks. I'm joined here with my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? Today, we are going to be starting up our draft profiles for Taylor Hendricks, Jaris Walker, and... Anthony Black. And Anthony Black. Uh, we're going to be starting our series, of course, with the draft only 12 days out now on June 22nd. There's obviously a lot of different things the Mavericks could do with their pick. Uh, from, you know, potentially moving back in the draft and, uh, you know, maybe consolidating and getting some capital back. Or they could, you know, even move up in the draft, albeit a very unlikely scenario. Or they could just trade the pick outright. Or they could just stay at 10 and keep it. Um, But nonetheless, we have to do our due diligence and cover these different draft profile guys because we want to be informed and at least mildly educated despite not watching any college basketball damn near last season. Pretty much. Yeah, so... Uh, we, we would at least, at least like to know who we're getting. Uh, of course, if that involves international prospects as well, we will still cover them accordingly. But uh, no, I mean, Jaron, what do you think the excitement level is for Mavericks fans, you know, 12 days out now? Do you think that there's uh, starting to be, you know, just a little smoke in the water? There's a little, uh, you know, so, sort of a haze in the air. There's a eerie sort of feeling here, you know, that some positivity might be rung back or or. Is that a far fetch? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely questions to be answered, and those questions will be answered in a matter of 12 days. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of questions whether or not the pick will be traded, uh, whether the Mavericks elect to either trade back or select someone with that number 10 overall pick. Uh, and I, I think that those, of course, those questions will be answered in you know time's manner, but uh, I can definitely sense the uh, eagerness. I can sense the sort of Mavericks – uh, brigade coming back in full effect. I think um, Dallas Mavericks basketball is probably the first time that this has been this level excite- of of excitement in a very long time. So uh, I'm definitely excited to see what happens. And, you know, I'm ha- I've been having a fun time, uh, you know, just kind of scoping out these draft profiles, doing a little bit of homework on them. And it's I'm looking forward to doing the podcast and, of course, spreading the also lovely news about all these draft profiles that being uh, Mr. Anthony Black, Mr. Coppell himself. So. Yes, uh, if you guys didn't know, Anthony Black actually grew up uh, fairly close to me and Jared. We went to uh, Hebron High School, and he went to Coppell High School. So uh, we actually, I actually played against him in football uh, once or twice. But oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, and uh, he also, but of course, you know, he, you know, just being a three-star receiver was not enough for him. So you know, now he's at the top of NBA draft boards. I, I think it may have took him a little longer to get to the NFL. Not that he was bad at by any means he was a great receiver um but i think that he definitely uh chose the righteous path for himself absolutely yeah I agree. Um, but uh nonetheless um but before we get into you know anthony black taylor Hendricks, and jaris walker to uh, round out our draft profiles for today here is an ad from our sponsor spotify for podcasters so going ahead and you know covering the hometown kid to start off here with anthony black for these draft profiles We'll be going over a wide array of different things, such as a prospect fit, you know, of course, as well as strength and strengths and weaknesses. And we'll be doing a player comparisons as well as upside. Um, and 
um, floor potential. So, you know, what, what is the ceiling? What is the floor of these players? Um, we're also going to give like a tentative uh, sort of mock projection where we think these guys are going to go. If, you know, it's going to be slightly below where the Mavericks are picking, slightly above where the Mavericks are picking, or even like right at number 10, uh, we'll just go ahead and do our own personal mocks because there's so many online. I would love to give them their credence and their flowers, Jaren, but, you know, I'll be damned. I may just not have the wherewithal to be able to look at all of them. Uh, at all of them, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> so we're just going to be doing our own little mock rating, and, you know, you you can trust in our uh, rating if you'd like. You know, if you listen to any of our season review podcasts, we did uh, sustainability ratings for all the players on the Mavericks in terms of them returning or not, or, you know, them being sustainable for the Mavericks going forward. And I'm sure everybody would love to contest those. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would have a lot Absolutely. to say about this. Yeah, for sure. Probably. Yeah. You know, so it just goes to show that we're not experts on this, but we can try. Um, so anyways, Jaron, getting into Anthony Black, obviously the, you know, the homegrown kid went to Coppell High School, transferred to Duncanville, spent a year at Arkansas, enlisted at about six, seven, 200 pounds. Uh, this is an individual, uh, you know, that projects as a pretty solid floor general, especially for his size, uh, you know, has the ability to, you know, get out and transition and run, um, you know, good outlet passer, good at dictating the flow of the offense in transition. He's got pretty good pacing to himself, um, pretty versatile defender. I think he has, but a, you know, seven foot wingspan About at it. that, at that six foot seven size, which is, I mean, it's pretty lethal at the point guard position. Uh, it can be a really good point of attack defender really good off ball defender has some, some shooting issues. What would you uh, probably um, say to in, sort of encapsulate his game this past year at Arkansas and, and just overall what, and what, where do you think this guy is looking at in terms of a mock draft projection? Yeah. I mean, I think that he's a high IQ guy. He's a high motor type player. Um, he does the things that, you know, necessarily uh, aren't the most, you know, flashy things. He's got good playmaking abilities. He's got a good ability to find teammates in open spots. Uh, whether it be in the pick and roll um, or in a sort of kickout scenario, he's doing a, or he had, he did do a really good job, uh, especially dictating that pick and roll. I think he's a really good uh, sort of pick and roll generator. Um, he can uh, honestly dictate a lot of what happens. He's a really good lob thrower um, in that scenario. But, you know, also conversely in the defensive end, he's a really good defensive minded player, uh, has really active hands and a really good ability to read defenses. He's did a um, I'm not sure the sort of numbers on this, but. He did have a really effective sort of rate of steals. He had over um, two steals a game in Arkansas. Yeah, over two steals a game at Arkansas. Um, and from the highlights that we did get to watch, most of them looked via sort of picking passes uh, or just coming off the weak side and sort of stripping the ball handler. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that he did a really good job of that. And, you know, what I mean by that is he's a high IQ guy. Uh, and as I said before, he can read the defenses really well. And um, I think only as a floor general, that's probably something that's going to be benefit him a lot. He has good size and intangibles to even go beyond that um, on the defensive end. I think his one-on-one -on -one defen defense is also, you know, extremely well with his size and frame, uh, especially with that seven-foot wingspan, his ability to sort of crowd or at least, uh, you know, make the ball handler do something that they're uncomfortable with. Uh, his ability to do that is extremely well. Um, uh, yeah, as you mentioned before, I think the only questions that really exist are, you know, sort of offensively, his shooting, um, I mean, that's probably the biggest thing to me is he needs to improve the shooting uh, defensively, kind of screen navigating. I would also um, say probably his size defensively can hurt him when he has to guard up against bigger, bigger wings. Yes. So, yeah, he does tend to get bullied a little bit against bigger wings, bigger, uh, bigger forwards. 
Um, but as long as you can keep them switched onto these one, one through kind of three scenarios or one through three guys, uh, I, I do think that, you know, you're, you can live with that scenario. Um, yeah, of course, as you said, like, it's just kind of whenever he gets in the four range, uh, it does get a little testing there for him. But I think uh, defensively, probably his biggest improvement is either switchability uh, or improve his screen navigating. There was times where either his effort wasn't there um, and he just caught, got caught on too many screens or you could run sort of a horns or stagger scenario at the top of the key. Uh, and it would kind of get him off kilter and get the ball handler an easy route to the rim. Um, and I know that's, you know, sort of a hard adjustment to make, but through his, with his size uh, at the NBA level, I don't think it will be very hard for him to make that improvement, especially with the floor spacing. I know at Arkansas, they oftentimes played a two center sort of lineup or a two big lineup. Uh, so the spacing there was a little awkward. Um, and I think at the pro level, it'll definitely sort of ease out. And I think that we'll see some of these sort of weirder, I guess, like sort of negatives or improvements he can make. I think we'll see those sort of hashed out. Uh, and maybe even approved upon pretty dramatically. I think, you know, the only sort of question, and as we said before, was shooting. Uh, I think that's the only thing, in my opinion, that could probably hold back his offensive game or just his sort of career development in general. Yeah, um, he was kind of spotty in terms of, um, you know, his floater game as well, and just being able to uh, finish over the top of really big defenders. He's good at maintaining his dribble uh, with, you know, with inside a few feet of the rim, he doesn't get caught up, um, you know, having to make frantic decisions, but he uh, definitely, you know, I would say showed a little bit of overconfidence in his athleticism and his ability to kind of just go over the top of guys sometimes. Um, and he he definitely can get better at his shot selection a little bit, I'd say, uh, in terms of some of the layups that he's taking in the floaters and just getting a little bit more consistent with that. Um, but other than that, this is, I think, definitely one of the more versatile players in this draft uh, from the standpoint of how many different things he can do. He's a good rebounder, good passer, especially in the half court to, uh, you know, he, he's making a lot of, you know, passes where he he's beating guys off the dribble and then being able to swing it to the weak side wing and corner. Um, just very savvy of his spacing and has really good court awareness. Um, I mean, he had, there were like plays that we were watching too, where, um, he had some give and go scenarios where he, he, you know, th these were actually during his shooting highlights, but, um, he, he really just has a very good concept of spacing and, you know, directional basketball. He knows how to, um, you know, manipulate the defense and get the ball in open spots on the perimeter. He's actually really good. I think too, at, uh, taking what the defense gives him is a, pretty good shot selection above the break. Uh, a lot of his threes that he took were wide open when guys would go under on screens or, um, you know, they'd be in within the ebb and flow of the offense, but um, you know, he's a little bit more of a catch and shoot shooter um, overall, you know, he shot about like 30% from three. So his shooting obviously is going to need to drastically improve, especially at the NBA level. That's definitely going to be, um, that's definitely going to be something that he's going to have to work on off season after off season. That's probably the biggest uh, knack on his game overall. Um, but the promise is there from the perspective that, you know, if he is able to improve his mechanics a little bit, he kind of start, he starts pretty low on his shot and it, it just is a sort of long kind of wind up, but it is fairly vertical in nature. Um, and he has a decent release. So I, I don't know. I, I just think that there's a lot of promise there from a shot creation perspective, but, you know, being able to open up the mid range game as he gets further in his career and being able to just really you know, hit these shots because he does have 
good mechanics in terms of being able to, you know, synchronize into a pull-up three. It's just the end result that really lacks because he, like I said, he's a very, very savvy basketball player, especially, um, you know, for somebody of his size playing the point guard position. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, to me, my biggest takeaway from just his overall jumper is he just needs to improve uh, speed-wise. It's a little slow. It's a little, like, it just doesn't need to be that slow. Um, and I mean, that will help or that will hurt uh, his catch and release sort of thing. So I, I don't think that you can necessarily stick him in a corner and expect him to be a guy who's going to nail 40% of threes from the corner. I just don't think that he can be that type of player. Um, if that his if that is his floor, um, you know, that that's just not going to be his type of floor, I think. Um, I, I would say one of the things that sort of sticks out to me was his finishing ability. He can improve a lot uh, from a finishing standpoint. But, uh, you know, I, I still think that he was able to find a pretty good rhythm uh, when one-on-one. It was kind of whenever he was going up against bigger defenders yeah. uh, is whenever it, his sort of shot got very, I, I guess, just like, just kind of chuck it up, see what yeah. happens. Um, but whenever he was getting into the rim uh, with the sort of either smaller defender or level-headed uh, defender, like that's where he's able to take yeah. his abilities and take uh, that advantage of that scenario. Another thing that really stuck out to me was his off-ball movement. Um, I think his IQ, as we mentioned before, with defending and his sort of playmaking also allows him to be a really good off-ball cutter, um, whether it's backdoor uh, or even cutting and getting sort of put back dunks. Um, his, his ability to do that and get rebounds uh, was extremely well. I believe he averaged five rebounds yeah. in his time in Arkansas, um, and only sort of his cutting and off-ball movement is kind of what frees that up. And I think that's probably, to me, one of the more underrated things uh, that won't probably get talked about a lot, but his off-ball movement makes him really friendly. Uh, especially for guys like Luca or Kyrie. I think uh, he would definitely be really a really good benefactor off the bench. I don't think he's necessarily a day one starter if he does get drafted to the Mavericks. Um, but I think he'd be a really good third ball handler um, and a guy who would definitely, um, I think he's a day one sort of floor general. I think uh, no matter what sort of lineup you stick him in, I think that he's probably going to be the main ball handler in whatever lineup it is on whatever team it is. I think if the Mavericks were to select him, I mean, he would obviously be a huge cog defensively. They would, you know, eat offense aside i think that they would probably delegate him as the number one point of attack defender yeah. you know maybe only to josh green i don't know like how that would work but i think at that point you have two younger guys that you're throwing at people to um you know be able to get pressure off of um you know the uh, like above the break and uh just in the pick and roll and i think that that could you know help reggie slide back a little bit to having to guard some wings and you know it wouldn't be as harsh on him so if they were to select him i could see that him kind of fitting like that um defensively but to go back to his finishing like you talked about um I would definitely reciprocate what you said about you know him having trouble against bigger defenders but he is a really good finesse finisher um he has the ability to contort the ball uh midair and kind of move it to you know his liking uh to finish over smaller defenders and I mean he does so successfully he's got really good um like just you know visual like spacing awareness knowing exactly what he is and like um what sort of you know crazy you know, move he's going to have to use to contort his body to get a shot off. His main thing is just, you know, adding size because he does have a tendency to get knocked around yeah. when he gets up against some of these bigger defenders and those things, uh, that finesse is just not as applicable um, when he gets knocked down so fast or uh, he has to change his shot so drastically that um, it's just not able to get another, enough air under it or something like that. But he does show a lot of promise in all of in all of the areas where he has weaknesses. He he still shows a lot of promise, especially 
given his age, he's only um, 19, I believe. Yeah, 19. And he's still got a lot of time to add, you know, muscle in the weight room and things of that nature to really bolster his overall and defense, you know, offensive and defensive feeling. So, um, you know, some of his biggest drawing points are just going to be improving that jump shot and, you know, improving the playmaking and shot creation aspect of his game over time. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, to me, I think that pretty much covers everything from a player standpoint. Um, I guess we'll kind of move into. He like went pretty role. far in Arkansas last year. Yeah, they, how far did they get? In the I think they got to the Elite Eight, um, but I yeah. do know that he was hurt for some of the March tournament. I do know. Yeah. That. Um, so he wasn't available for all that. Uh, I'm not sure like how many games he played uh, compared to how many games he sort of sat out or was injured in. I'm not really sure of those numbers, but I do know that he was hurt for a little bit of last season. Um, so I think you know. I don't know if it was anything serious. I don't think that there's really any concern. I haven't heard any sort of noise or concern around that. Uh, so I'm not going to take too much credence into that. Um, but Will, I guess, you know, if he's drafted with the 10th overall pick, you know, with this current rendition of the roster, where would you expect his role to be? Uh, I guess on the Dallas Mavericks, like what, what would you expect him to be day one? I think that uh, if you were to select Anthony Black, more so really than some of the other guys that are more curated to be, Strictly wings that we'll, you know, talk about with the 10th pick, I think, ad nauseum more than we talk about, you know, guards and even bigs. Um, I do think that if you you bring this guy in day one, that creates uh, an automatic sort of uh, competition in training camp, you know, just between Josh Green and Jaden Hardy. Uh, it's interesting because he's a guy who, you know, he, he's more coveted than both of them uh, coming into the draft. So I don't know if they would view that as like having a chip on their shoulder or what. But I, I will say as much as that he does have like certain aspects of both of their games. Yeah. He's almost kind of like an, you know, a, a sort of blend of the two, um, you know, but taller, I guess. Uh, that That's, you know, not a one for one comparison, of course. But, you know, my main point being just from a broader like role standpoint on the Mavericks, he would definitely uh, be competing heavily with them for minutes. I think that from, you know, one perspective or the other. You know, I, I do think all three of them would still see the floor, but between Josh Green and Jaden Hardy or Anthony Black, uh, one of those guys, uh, and, you know, especially if Anthony Black were to blow up, would probably have to take a backseat from yeah. a playmaking uh, or a, or possibly even, you know, their role from a defensive perspective. You know, if Anthony Black were to come in and be a little bit more surefire than we anticipated, uh, I think that it could, you know, delegate, you know, some of those. I think Jaden Hardy is probably going to get end up He'd probably end up being used more as a spot-up shooter next year and a movement shooter, and the Mavericks would experiment more with that if they were to be able to bring in another ball handle of this caliber. Um, but I'm sure defensively the Mavericks would obviously try to use him to guard like twos and threes or guys at the point of attack. Um, I do think that they could play him with Luka and Kyrie. I, I do think that they would preferably have an, a bigger defender in there to cover up some of the uh, liabilities that you know those guys can have just from a – quickness and size disadvantage even though they they are they can be pretty good defenders when they're locked in especially Kyrie so I I think the Mavericks would prefer some more size so I I do second you from the standpoint that you said that he probably wouldn't come in and start day one but you know if he comes in and he's really promising um you know as a defender and you know his switchability to be able to guard even like threes um isn't as noticeable or isn't as flawed as we initially anticipated with, you know, the the lack of size there and the lack of muscle that he has on that frame as of right now. 
Um, I could definitely see him having the talent to be able to get elevated to the starting lineup, even if the Mavericks do keep uh, Luca and Kyrie. But I, I don't think that they would just pencil him in day one. I do think it would be a competition amidst all the young guys. And between Jaden Hardy and Josh Green and him, not I don't think any three of those guys would slip out of the rotation. Uh, but I do think one of those guys would probably be relegated to, you know, one of those last guys off the bench in terms of, you know, probably being the eighth or ninth man in the rotation if this were, uh, you know, if this were the pick and if this were to all pan out. If the Mavericks were somehow to get him, I, I think that this would be a great, you know, pick. It would give you yet another added layer of security if Kyrie were to leave uh, in the future, you know, just having got, um, you know, an easy top 10 talent uh, who has a lot of promises of ball handler and a shot creator, uh, you know, as well as a point of attack defender. Uh, but if that were to uh, not happen, and um, even if Kyrie, you know, stays and, you know, he, he's kind of having to learn behind him. I mean, that, that's still a favorable scenario to you. At that point, you're just asking yourself with Jaden Hardy and, you know, how steadfast he is in his development you know, you just have to question if that's going to be a crowded backcourt or not. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say he fits the best out of all these guys that we're talking about here. Um, but, you know, if he does slide to number 10, the talent and the upside is is hard to argue with. And, you know, especially the fact that he's not just a, uh, you know, a, a pure point guard. He does have that that upside and defensive versatility to be able to guard up a little bit. Uh, I would be intrigued if he if he fell that low to at least, um, you know, take a look at him before, you know, shipping the pick or doing something else with it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, if he does end up falling to 10 and pretty much out of these next five guys that we'll talk about, we're having three today and then probably two tonight. Uh, out of these next five guys, one of these guys probably will indeed fall to number 10. Um, and I think that if that is him, I wouldn't be opposed to taking him. It would be a little bit of a weird fit, as you mentioned before, but um, I, I just think that he's probably too much of a generational talent to maybe pass up on. It's probably my thinking yeah. uh, if he does fall that way. But again, there's probably going to be a lot of other NBA teams that are going to be wanting that 10 pick, wanting Anthony Black. Um, so depending on the package, I think the Mavericks could pull off a, great a bigger deal. Play. Yeah, yeah, bigger deal uh, than what get what they would have given had they traded earlier in the night. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, I think with the role on the Mavericks, I think it's pretty much – everything in what you said. I like what you pointed out with the competition uh, between the young guys, but yeah, I mean, I don't think he'd be a day one starter. I think he'd be something that, or someone that would have to work into a role either off the bench and then work into it mid season uh, as a starter. I think I could very likely see that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, if the Mavericks want to use this as a leverage play uh, at the number 10 pick, if he does fall, I think that that would probably be one of, in one of the Mavericks best interests and probably best outcomes uh, if he in, did end up falling to the number 10 overall pick. Yeah, and just speaking of the leverage play, I know we're going to be talking about the uh, 10th pick and the certain things Mavericks can do with it probably after the next draft profile or two. Uh, we'll get into a podcast just solely talking about that. But I do think that this is going to be a little bit more different than last year because, you know, there, there's a lot less volatility once you start getting late in the, later in the first round. And, you know, the, the margins between guys that actually hit in that range compared to in the lottery is – it's fairly drastic. So you, you tend to see teams be a little bit more, uh, you know, conservative uh, yeah. in those later picks um, or, you know, a little bit more wild, either one. But, you know, with the, the Mavericks last year, or I guess I, you know, should have said conservative in terms of when you hold a pick in the lottery, you know, compared to 
in those late 20s, it's a little more like kind of just like screw it, right? Yeah. You know, pick whoever or you just trade it. But the Mavericks last year, obviously, they traded their, you know, pick, their number 26 pick for, you know, that Christian Wood deal about a week ahead of the draft. When you're at 26 in the draft, you're you're late, late first round. A lot of those picks really like 20, maybe I'd say like 22, 23 down yeah, to maybe was- about 30 all have about the same value in terms of their tradeability. So, you know, it, they're a lot more kind of just easy and surefire to go ahead and ship off. And they have like relatively same value. I, I do think that just based on the Mavericks having the 10th pick, I don't think that they do anything before the draft unless they find a really good deal or a team just really likes somebody because, I mean, it, it's just in their best interest with the amount of talent in that lottery to to wait it out and and see what happens and then work the phones around, you know, once the pick's coming up and they have a better idea of who's still going to be remaining on the board uh, so they can use that leverage play accordingly because, uh, you know, if, if it's Grady Dick who's remaining at 10 or, you know, compared to like uh, Jarius Walker, then there's obviously, a, you know, a little bit of a of, of volatility uh, in terms of what you might be able to get from another team with a package. And I, you know, I think that those players would hold different value. So, I mean, I, I just think that it is going to be more of a sort of wait and see thing. And it, it that will definitely amp up the excitement given that I think that this is going to be something that happens, you know, on draft day, right as the picks about to happen or right after something of that nature. Uh, it'll just add to the whole aura and excitement of the thing. But you know, obviously I am no, you know, futurist. I can't see anything uh, play out as it's going to actually happen. So we'll just have to wait and see to see what actually happens. But if I had to make an assumption just based off, you know, where the Mavericks are picking in the draft and based off of what other teams that have been picking in that similar range, uh, when they usually, you know, make trades, I, I do think that it would they would use it as a more of a leverage pay, play for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with Anthony Black at home. Um, you know, I, I think real quickly summing this up, what do you think his ceiling and what do you think his floor would be as a potential sort of role uh, that you could see him maybe not necessarily in the Mavericks, but just in as an NBA player in general? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think he's just so savvy from a basketball perspective that I think, you know, his floor is maybe like Josh Giddy, but not, you know, quite as, you know, just uber efficient and um you know technical with how he plays basketball josh giddy's just obscenely smart with the basketball um i i could definitely see that but maybe a little like a little bit more pop of athleticism i could see that at the floor you know like first year josh giddy with more athleticism you know it takes him a little time to adjust i know you had mentioned alfred payton uh you know if everything if the shooting woes and the lack of size really come to haunt him yeah, more that's, than that's what I think. more than you know he he anticipates i could definitely see that a guy who's just more curated to defend like ones and twos i mean I, I think at the high end this guy has really big boom potential i would say for his ceiling uh in my opinion you would be looking at a guy like a Dejounte murray or uh shea gilgis alexander i mean he projects as one of those bigger guards that if you were to add size on his you know frame and be able to shoot the sky's the limit but you know, there are a lot of ifs there and it's not going to be just a, you know, easy hand me down transition. But if he's able to do that, I mean, this is a, you know, archetype of a player that is going to be, you know, really hard to stop on all levels. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, I mean, I second you pretty much lovely ceiling and floor. Uh, I know that we discussed that off air um, and we pretty much shared the same sentiment and agreed with each other that that was probably the best sort of comparisons that we can make. Um, to me, I think his floor, you know, probably more comparable. If he could develop a shooting all right, develop his shooting in general and sort of, 
you know, maybe takes a more role aspect rather than a playmaking aspect just through his first few years in the league. I see him kind of falling into this current day sort of Kobe White role. Uh, it just kind of has more of a shooting effect and defensive effect rather than the playmaking that he adds. Uh, but again, I just think Anthony Black is too good of a playmaker to to kind of sit at that role. So yeah. that's why I'm not you know too keen on that. Yeah, he um, just has too much size compared to Kobe White. You yeah, know, coming in like th- this is a guy that is like you know he he constantly gets swarmed at the point of attack. Uh, that you know they'll blitz him, send two defenders at him, and he's able to just kind of send casual bounce passes because he's just really good at being able to and, and just lob passes because he's just really good at being able to see the roll man with with like that six seven maybe like almost six eight frame um you know to have two guys that can see over defenses um eventually i think is a guy that you'd be looking at here with luca uh that would be one of the more intriguing aspects of this for sure for me if he were to come to dallas yeah absolutely um i think moving on next this is our last sort of segment that we'll talk about with anthony black but uh his boomer bust rating and one out of ten ten being of course probably you know the highest of booms uh hall of famer type thing well no I, I was more trying to like say the boomer bust rating is essentially like he you know how volatile is this player how much could this player just completely boom or completely bust because there's a lot more guys that you know i would say are like more steady picks yeah this is just like strictly speaking you don't have to like say you can say if you want if you think he'd boom or bust but you know this is strictly based on how drastic um either ends of the spectrum could could potentially be or if you think he'll he's a guy that's more inclined to kind of stay in that middle tier and, and just be a solid role player for the rest of his career that's yeah, essentially I mean, what it is okay all right yeah. well, i mean are we doing a one out of ten rating or yeah one out of ten yeah i'll I mean, probably go with the seven just because i think his floor is not really much of a floor i think he still has yeah. a, a really conducive role uh in the modern day nba and his ceiling is definitely you know that of uh probably one of the best in this draft class um, I, I just think that his intangibles and his like sort of IQ effect uh, is just too much to kind of be, you know, not a great ceiling. I think he's definitely one of the players who probably has, you know, a, a high bust potential compared to, you know, others in this top 10. But I think to, for me that he's probably, uh, I, I think a, yeah. he fits at a seven. So it's interesting because I feel like he does like there is that off chance where he could just completely bust and become like a Michael Carter Williams uh, you know, that's just with any of those like six, seven guards that don't have a jump shot coming in, but uh, their boom potential is just, you know, through the roof. And he does just seem like his basketball IQ is just so much better than a lot of those bigger guards were uh, coming in. So that's why I feel like his floor, like, isn't as low as people would say. Um, and, you know, his ceiling is through the roof. So I would, yeah, I'd probably, you know, say about a seven and a half, maybe an eight in terms of his boomer bust rating, just how volatile of a player this could be. Uh, how much he could come onto the scene, but I would say it's more definitely overtly positive from that aspect than than it is uh, a knock on his game. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think uh, it's probably a good segue into uh, Taylor Hendricks. For me, this would be the guy if he's available at number ten. Uh, without any hesitation, I would pull the trigger. To me, I think he's the best, maybe the second best. You can make an argument for Oscar Thompson, but to me, this is the best defender in the draft. I think he's so switchable. I think he can pretty much guard anywhere, almost one through five. Uh, I think he needs to put on a little bit more muscle to become a five sort of defender, even a a small ball five. But um, his intangibles, his athleticism, his size uh, just makes him crazy sort of athletic for what sort of he is, uh, which I think would be highly touted as like a a forward three and D sort of player. Um, I think that's probably what many think of him whenever you hear Taylor Hendricks, but 
to me, I think his ceiling is just absolutely insane. Uh, to me, this is like the top guy at that number 10 spot that could be available. Um, now, of course, if, you know, Oscar Thompson or someone like that falls, I would definitely be keen on picking them. But uh, Taylor Hendricks, if he's available at number 10, he's my top guy, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely – he doesn't have the highest potential out of all these other guys, but he is probably one of the more surefire guys to be able to help the Mavericks in a pretty definite position of need more so than, like, a lot of these guys. Uh, very astute rebounder. He's going to come in, be aggressive on the boards on on both sides of the ball. You know, he's listed at 6'9", but he has a 7'3 wingspan. He's able to cover insane ground. Um, there were multiple times that, you know, through watching some of these plays – uh, that he was able to come from the weak side uh, or help side and be able to pick off, um, you know, guys that were driving to the to the rim where they didn't even see him, and he was able to just stick his, you know, arm out there. And he's a great one-on-one defender. Um, you know, has great lateral quickness for his size. Uh, stays very vertical, uh, just very square. Um, his wingspan is, you know, completely obscene. This is a you know individual that can come in and you know help defensively. Uh, almost day one in the NBA for sure, even if, you know, that he may run into some difficulties with his size, as Jared mentioned, especially, you know, it, it, when he's playing against some some of those bigger lineups that may feature uh, bigger fours or, you know, two big lineups in the NBA, I could see him struggling a little bit more. Um, but, I mean, he's got, a, he's got just about every attribute in the book defensively from being able to rotate over as the low man and, you know, be a weak side rim protector. Uh, to being you know a rangy off-ball defender who can cover space all over the floor in a half-court setting and pick off passes and you know get going the other way, and just being a really you know solid, um, you know really good base that he has ingrained um, in terms of his one-on-one defense as well. So you know this is this guy has got the toolbox at his disposal in, in terms of uh, what he can open up defensively. He's definitely. Uh, what I would classify as like one of those splashy defensive players, a guy that you could see on all NBA defensive teams for, for years to come, if everything were to, to pan out, Um, you know, just, he's almost like six ten, and he, he moves like a wing on that end. It's just, it's really scary. Um, He has a, you know, wide array of tools from that aspect that I, I just don't think that there's that many archetypes in the NBA in terms of a guy that's that tall, that's still, uh, plays like a wing offensively he's obviously highly touted as a catch and shoot shooter um, he's actually a really good rim runner as well mm. um, for a guy that you know had to play some five at UCF that wasn't the biggest school and he has a little bit of a dribble drive game to him but you know it's some an area that he's definitely still improving but he's really good with his up fakes he's a really good movement shooter um, you know coming off screens uh, he understands how to get open uh, when he gets going towards the basket, you know, when he's having to dribble above the break, uh, make a move for himself, that's something that he's still definitely trying to hone in on, especially uh, just tightening up his handles. He has a tendency to get a bit of a loose handle. So that's something that he's going to have to tighten up, you know, especially as he's trying to get to the rim uh, against some of these NBA defenders. He does have a tendency uh, not to fall away, but uh, he has a tendency, I'd say, to finish with a, a little bit of finesse compared to, uh, you know, finishing through contact. Um, so that'll be a, a big drawing point for him going forward. But, you know, in, in terms of being the sort of ultimate three and D prospect that the Mavericks could be looking for here, um, a guy that is as big as he is and can still, you know, is still as multi-positional defensively as he is. 
Um, this is probably one of the more surefire picks the Mavericks could make at number 10 if you were to drop. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, his his sort of counterability, whether it be rebounding, uh, defensively, even offensively, I think it's just so sort of A-plus par that, like, you're not going to miss with this guy. I think that he can find a role on any 30 team or any 30 teams in the NBA and pretty much thrive in that role. Um, and more so, I think that the Mavericks would be an amazing fit for him. Um, uh, you know, just to highlight a little bit more things that he could improve upon. Uh, one of the things that kind of stuck out to me was his playmaking inside the paint or inside the post. Um, I felt oftentimes he overlooked cutters or overlooked open shots to kind of not necessarily pass foot for a better shot, uh, but just to either get it to a more surefire guy. I think he kind of felt um, either just sort of unconfident in his ability to get that pass there uh, or just sort of didn't really, you know, care too much into, you know, if it was an open shot, it just kind of lacked that ability. Um, so I think if you could find more of a sort of consistency in finding off ball cutters, uh, maybe not overlooking passes, or I guess just like truly believing in his abilities to make that pass, I think he could really benefit on that side of things. Um, you know, again, and to highlight some positives, he's an amazing three point shooter, uh, an amazing rebounder. And, you know, his size brings him uh, this ability to pretty much look way bigger than he is, you know, the, the six, six, nine, uh, 210 pound frame, he could definitely work on some more muscle getting a little bit bigger, but, uh, for his size, I think that he's looking, he, he looks like one of the biggest dudes on the court. Um, I think if you watch any one of his highlights, that's probably the first thing that sticks out is, you know, you question yourself, how's this guy only six, nine? Um, he just looks so tall, so long. Um, and again, I mean, that seven through wingspan definitely helps, but it makes him a versatile defender. It makes him a, a really good weak side rim protector and just a, a good prospect in general uh, on that defensive end. So I think um, this would be a guy that would change the culture, change the defensive side of the ball. Uh, day one, if he were to get drafted into Dallas, and again, if he was available, I would be really, really hesitant in trading that pick because to me this is a guy that is not only a very much role of need uh, in Dallas, but also just a guy that I think that, uh, could maybe pan out to be sort of an OG Ananobi, not saying that that's his comparison or anything, but just sort of his, I guess, tradability, uh, where you can get multiple first round picks and he's just that good of, he's not necessarily a star player, but he's that good of a role player. Yeah. He can affect that sort that much uh, that he definitely warrants that sort of asking price. Yeah. Uh, I mean, later on with a lot of these guys they are only, you know, 19, 20 years old. There's still uh, a lot of improvement. There's still, you know, their potential is not definitely capped yet. You know, we talk a lot about in our like player profiles, like, Oh, you know, this guy's too old to maybe take this step. I mean, with all these guys, if they're to add certain elements to the game, you know, they could still uh, be, you know, I mean, a lot of these guys in this top 10 where the Mavericks are picking, you know, admittedly like have all-star potential. It's just like when you're picking that high, all the, all the players in that range, if they were to completely pan out and, you know, patch up some of the holes in their games uh, can be extremely lethal at the NBA level. But you know, you have to just kind of question how much of that could come into fruition. But, you know, this is about a, as safe as a pick as it gets, in my opinion, in terms of I don't think Taylor Hendricks would come in and, you know, earnestly bust for the Mavericks. Like, Not at all. I, I just can't I can't see that. I, I can definitely see him being on the worser side, having some rookie woes. Maybe he has to adjust to the NBA three point line a little bit. The shot falls off. But I, I mean, I just still think regardless, the defense will be um it'll be a consistent cog in his game, you know, regardless of what happens. And, you know, in regards to his shooting, he shot 39% or almost 40% on pretty good volume in college. Um, I mean, he was honestly preferential to that screen. If a defender were to go 
under him, even if it was a smaller defender uh, where he could attack his hip and try to get to the rim easily, probably overpowering with the, his athleticism. He was preferential if a guy went under him to shooting these threes, these pull-up threes. And he has a little bit of a weird uh, sort of narrow base on his shot, uh, but it does work. And, you know, he has a pretty quick release. He's one of the better shooters in the draft, I would say. Absolutely. And he knocks in at a very consistent clip. You know, I was going to say at first maybe, you know, think kind of like DeAndre Hunter coming out a few years ago, but he's he's just so much more bigger and even rangy than that um, and is equally as good a shooter, maybe just not as good in terms of being able to create space in the mid-range and uh, in terms of his ability to get to the rim. But, uh, I mean, this is a guy that can definitely come in, help an NBA roster day one um, without a doubt. And Jaron, you know, obviously having gone over like his positives and negatives, uh, you know, of course the defensive upside, the the three point shooting is um, really encapsulates, you know, what a true, like, you know, three and D player is in this league, especially at that size. But, you know, he may, you know, obviously not ever fully reach his true potential if he does experience some woes in terms of never being able to, hone in on that dribble drive game or that playmaking aspect just because of his size. Uh, where do you think his role would be if the Mavericks were to select him at 10 in the long run, if you're predicting? Yeah, I think, you know, but personally, I think that he's a guy that would start day one. Uh, I think he's a day one starter just because of the role that he brings and the lack of uh, that role that is in Dallas. Um, I think his ability to kind of be multifaceted in the sense that, you know, he can be a, a great weak side shot blocker and also at the same time be a great perimeter defender. Uh, I think only brings him more upside. Uh, his also shot creating, uh, or not shot creating, but more shot making. Um, that ability just makes him so likable for guys like Luca and Kyrie, for that matter. Um, his size, again, uh, I mean, the offensive end makes him a really good rim runner. And I think that's only going to benefit those two um, if that were to become a duo. So that's why I think day one, he would become a starter. Uh, whether at that four or possibly even three, he might even take over that sort of Reggie Bullock role, um, just in the number ranking. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, I think that he would instantly vault himself into a starting role. Uh, and, you know, I think that he would pretty much instantly become a, a one of the probably top four uh, sort of, not playmakers, but top four sort of producers uh, on that Mavericks roster. Yeah, I mean, his ability to rim run, I think, would be somewhere the Mavericks would use him too. Uh, definitely depending on what they did with the center position. Uh, if he was like the only offseason move, then that puts a little bit more pressure, yeah. which I would hope that he wouldn't be. But that'll be interesting to see. They they can just use him so multi-positionally. You know, if they need to play him at the five, they probably can get away with it for a few minutes against different lineups. Um, you know, also if they need to, you know, even play him at the at the three at times, they can get they can probably get away with that just depending on how big they want to go. So uh, he, he fits a lot of different molds and he, I feel like he's a very adaptable player. And like Jaron said, he can play on almost any NBA roster. So it just makes him really easy to fit on any NBA team. And I mean, just given that he can fit so many different sort of roles of need for the Mavericks, even if he's not necessarily elite at, at any of them compared to, you know, I, I wouldn't say that his rim running skills yet are like so good as that. He's like a, he could, you know, on a night to night basis, be like a, you know, solid five man um, rim running against NBA bigs because he was against, you know, he was in a weaker conference and, you know, just due to his sheer size, he got thrust in that position a little bit. So I would definitely have questions about that uh, before I fully trust that, but he does have the ability to do that. He's athletic enough. Um, and he, 
you know, when he gets downhill, he can, you know, definitely make plays with the basketball uh, just due to his sheer size. So just improving that over time, um, he, he could be a scary sight for sure um, offensively going forward, but it just is going to be depending on how uh, certain factors pan out. But I mean, I, I'd say so his expected role would be like, you know, uh, a starting rookie, one a guy that would probably be first or all second team rookie uh, first yeah. year coming in. I feel like he would just be very serviceable on all levels and he can contribute. Uh, he's a guy who can contribute day one. I mean, with any rookie, I'm not just going to like, don't I'm not going to sit up here and just say that there's, you know, no chance that he, he comes in and has a rookie wall at some point during the season and is completely flawless. Like that is you know, irrational to expect, especially, you know, he's not like Wimbamiana or Scoot Henderson or anything like that. But I mean, this is a guy that can still, um, that, you know, could hold his own in the playoff series if he really had to at the end of the day, if I, in my earnest opinion. No, I absolutely agree. Um, I think more so. Yeah. I mean, like, I definitely agree with what you mean, or I guess with what you're saying. Um, I mean, we kind of, I guess, discussed the ceiling and a floor then, um just the yeah. fact that you know he doesn't really have a floor in my opinion uh and not that he doesn't have a floor but um I mean his biggest floor would be just conducive to a three and D role uh which I think that he would thrive in personally and of course that ceiling being sort of a you know yeah multifaceted kind of you know adds that three and D wing effect uh, I got a, I got a good floor comp I got a really that? good right. floor comp I think if he's if he just ends up being a little bit more one-dimensional offensively and he's never really able to expand, you know, that toolbox in terms of his finishing um, and his ability to get to the rim. I think, and I'm not trying to say this from like a few years ago, because I, I think this guy's a totally different player but now, but I think his floor would be like current day Trey Lyles. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah. Like as, know, as good as, as he plays a little play. bit more like rebounding and defensive, yeah. but yeah, he can add that yeah. skill too. I actually, I think that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Trey Lyles has improved drastically over the last year. Like yes. He was playing good in the playoffs last year. Yeah, so don't, like amazing. don't view that as a knock because maybe like a year or two ago, I, I wouldn't have went that low. But uh, And then, I mean, ceiling this guy, if he's able to really improve his playmaking and shot creation toolbox, uh, especially if he's able to ever add a mid-range pull-up or a, uh, and can be get more consistent with his handles, he definitely showed a, a little bit of a weakness going left. Yeah. You know, it wasn't quite the, the Jalen Brown mixtape, if you've seen that on Twitter. Um, have you seen that compilation? All going left. Oh, uh, just him getting like, stripped constantly oh, throughout the whole oh, regular season. Another. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, but he uh, he definitely you know struggles with his offhand. He shows some in, some uh, discomfort there, um, and just you know going at bigger body guys. But if he's able to re- ever able to hone in on that, like I am not hesitant to say that this could be you know a Paul George type of guy that you'd see going forward in terms of how good he could get one day on both sides of the ball. He has yeah, that. Man. He has that size. He has that potential. The only thing that I'm hesitant about is just that sort of star power that he could bring. But again, you know, coming into the league, Paul George wasn't necessarily the most all around sort of guy that he is now. So I think uh, definitely, as you said, if he could yeah. improve upon or even develop the sort of things that you highlighted, uh, I mean, I could definitely see him sort of molding his way into uh, a multi-time all-star uh, and, you know, potential sort of second guy to a, a championship winning team. I think that he could definitely be that type of guy. Yeah, and even as athletic as and long as he is, he still really hasn't untapped his athleticism, if that makes sense. He still has another sort of added layer in terms of improving his leg strength, getting a little bit of a bigger base. Uh, he, he's not a guy that, you know, he, he had some good dunks, but I wouldn't say he was, like, out there catching bodies 
24 seven. Like he wasn't, he has the ability to dunk over the top of guys consistently. Um, if he's able to get a better base, get better at jumping off of two feet. Um, there, there's definitely just some power aspects to his game that, you know, if he could add like a drop step in his game to where he can seal guys in the post that, you know, th- this could be like a, a John Collins kind of level punisher type guy too, offensively just with his frame. Uh, but, you know, just protects a lot better defensively. So, I mean, it, this guy's career could go really anywhere, uh, could, yeah. but his default, uh, you know, athletic base and his defense and shooting already sets him up for, you know, at, at least Trey Lyles, a, a serviceable role player on a championship team, a worst case scenario. And if, if he somehow differs from that and he becomes Anthony Bennett and is in China in a couple of years, you know, and that, that has a tendency to happen. So yeah, who knows? It could happen. It if that ends knows. up if that ends up happening, then I'll totally eat my words. But I would love this guy at number 10 for the Mavericks, for sure. No, for sure. I, you know, to me, I think uh, just really quickly, the biggest comparison day one to me is probably Jaden McDaniels, uh, um, Minnesota Timberwolves. And I think to me, that's probably just his biggest day one comparison. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we were looking at the uh, the, you know, obviously the worst end of the spectrum as well as the, you know, the all-star end and everything of that nature. Um, but if, if I'm penciling him in as you know, in terms of what he would play like right now, I would say Jalen McDaniels, maybe not as aggressive um, in terms of like being able to seal. And I think Jalen McDaniels is a little more uh, inclined to attack in terms of when he gets a post-up scenario, he has a really good drop step and he's a bit better cutter because he's just such an elite cutter. I'd say Jaden McDaniels, one of the better cutters in the league, but uh, Taylor Hendricks is a pretty good cutter too from watching some of yeah, his tape. Um, so I, I definitely see that, but definitely a better jump shot even too, Absolutely. especially compared to Jalen Mc, Jaden McDaniels coming into the league. You know, he's definitely got his three point shot a little bit better now, but coming into the league, you know, Taylor Hendricks is well above and beyond him from that perspective. So no, absolutely, I would tend to agree. You know, this that that I mean, that's definitely not. I mean, that guy's starting on the Timberwolves, so this is you know a very promising role player archetype that we're looking at. Uh, before we move on to Jarius Walker. Uh, Jaron, you want to go ahead and designate a boomer bust rating to Taylor Hendricks? Uh, I'm going to go with a eight just because I think his boom is extremely high. And of course, his bust potential is extremely low compared to others like Anthony Black. So I'm going to go with an eight. I'm probably going to go a, a seven on this one. I do think his boom potential is is at like wherever it stands. It has a, an extremely high ceiling. I do just think it may be a little bit harder for him to reach uh, that ceiling because a lot of those, you know, bigger wings uh it's just harder for them to pan out in terms of being a star because that is you know a lot for a human that size to be able to handle the basketball uh in a manner where they can you know create for themselves on a consistent basis and just have a really tight bag in terms of their handles and their shot creation abilities you know it's uncommon and it's the reason why guys that size that are able to do that are the best players in the nba absolutely so I, i would say that it's a little bit more of a seldom chance that he's going to get to that level, but he's, you know, he's so, he has such a high floor that I would probably still, you know, have to say at least like seven because um, and he's so young still, he's only 19 and there's, I, I'd, I'd be negligent to, you know, not be able to recognize that, you know, with his athletic toolbox that he couldn't add that to his game at some point in his career, as young as he is. So I'd probably say seven uh, in terms of his, boomer bust potential but if you want to go ahead and move on to Jarius Walker Jaron this is one of your favorite guys in this draft and just kind of break down his overall um game would you say that he would probably be um 
the most coveted prospect out of any of the uh, three guys that we've covered? Do you think he probably has the highest uh, mock draft, uh, uh, you know, in terms of where he's slated to go? Yeah, I mean, Jarrett Walker, I think he has the highest sort of, uh, ex- like, I guess, range. Uh, I think he could go anywhere from, like, five to, heck, even 12 maybe, um, just depending on what sort of happened this draft night. Um, but Walker, I think, you know, he's, to me, he's probably one of the best uh, out of all three that we've covered, maybe outside of Anthony black. I think he's probably got the most potential, uh, to be an absolute star in this league. Uh, he definitely more of a unique player at his six, eight frame. He's big, uh, for what sort of size six, he eight, is. Two forty. Yeah. Six, eight, two forty. So yeah, he's got a, a big frame, uh, almost looks bigger than six, eight. I think that you look, you, you look at six, eight and you're, you don't like, you don't think that he's six, eight. He's got about um, a seven foot wingspan too. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So, you know, good defensive intangibles. Uh, he can pretty much guard anywhere from three through five pretty comfortably. Um, and yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, he's a huge figure on the court, uh, which is going to be definitely very daunting, uh, whether he's playing a small ball five, I think he needs to sort of develop a little bit more, uh, before we can see him play consistent minutes at that sort of role. Um, but I think he could definitely become a sort of coveted four. uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of, you know, sort of, I guess, um, historic or not historic, but like, uh, there's not a lot of bodies that embody sort of a power forward these days, but I think that he's one of the very rare guys that sort of does. Um, I, I think, as I mentioned, you know, he's very, very big. He's also a very switchable sort of guy. Um, and I think that, you know, he's going to punish any sort of mismatch that is on offense, just with his strength alone. Um, he's got a really good shot blocking ability, just a really good defensive minded player. Um, it tends to open up his hips just a little bit uh, pretty often, but I think if he can sort of defend, as I said, three through five, I don't think there's going to be any problem there. Um, he's a guy, and I know that we'll get into this a little bit later. Uh, he's a guy that you can plug into any lineup. And I think that he will make an absolute sort of, a 180 turnaround uh, for whatever defense it is. I think that he would come into Dallas and create an instantly different culture on defense uh, just because I, I think he's that good. Um, I think he's just one of the most all-around defensive players that we have. Maybe not the best def- defensive player in this draft, but I think that he's probably a top three um, between Oscar Thompson, Taylor Hendricks, and him. Um, I, I think that he's probably in that top three sort of thing. Um, with his size, he does tend to be a little bit more slow-footed on defense. Uh, but outside of that, I think, you know, defense is pretty sound offensively. His playmaking ability was probably the biggest that stood out to me. Um, he did uh, like pretty much, uh, he gives me almost DeMontis Sabonis type playmaking abilities. If he does develop into anything, uh, where in the sense that he could almost run a point guard type, not maybe not point guard, but you can run plays through his playmaking abilities. I think that his ability to find an open guy, whether it be in the opposite dunker spot or even finding a cutter, is just second and none for the a guy his size. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that he's his playmaking, of course, as I mentioned, was a really big sort of uh, sort of spotlight that I saw and his finishing. I think his finishing, it was a little sort of spotty at times. I think that he sort of shies away from contact, but I think he's got really good touch. He's got a pretty decent shot for what his, his sort of size is. I think um, if he were on the Mavericks, his absolute sort of floor would be like a Maxi Kleba type role. Uh, good defensive player and doesn't really have much of an offensive bag outside of three-point shooting or isn't used for much outside of three-point shooting. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably as far as I would go with him. Uh, I mean, again, he's a very athletic player. Um, and again, for his size, I've said this a lot, but for his size, he has really good handles as well. Um, he can definitely get to his spots pretty easily. Um, he's got a pretty deep bag, as I said, in terms of playmaking and also just creating one-on-one. 
Yeah, no, I mean, this is an individual who can um, really facilitate the short roll, something that I know Mavericks fans were clamoring for last year. Um, this is a guy that, you know, if you, if he's setting a key at the top of the, or a pick at the top of the key, he's going to be able to, uh, you know, really find guys and, you know, move the ball and segue to shooters out of that at a very high clip. And in an offense with, you know, Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, a uh, guy that with, with that skill set would just be, you know, really applicable and that would help hugely offensively. You know, positionally, he projects really well as a defender. Uh, he can guard guards if he, you know, really has to. Um, he showed flashes in terms of being able to do that just with how lateral quick and rangy he is. But like Jaron said, he does have the tendency to kind of open up his hips to where he can get beat off the dribble there. Um, but, you know, he's athletic and covers an insane amount of ground. He is, you know, really good two-footed leaping ability. Uh, he got like a, a couple snatch blocks with like two hands off the backboard. Uh, some some just crazy stuff out there playing in the uh, ACC conference at Houston. But I will say as much um, that, you know, he definitely needs to be able to harness that ability to jump off two feet on offense a little bit more. He has such a big frame at about 6'8", 245, easily an NBA-ready body already uh, in terms of the amount of muscle he has, especially he if he evens out and maybe, um, you know, puts on a little bit more muscle compared to, you know, fat just because, you know, how young he is. Obviously, he has he's a big kid, has a lot of size on him, but he's just really uber athletic. If he just evens out a little bit more, uh, I mean, he he's going to be a huge force down low that a lot of, you know, there's not not many NBA players that strong. He He's almost like, you know, I, I would kind of if you're looking for a drawing point in terms of a guy that could have been utilized a lot better in today's NBA, um, if, if people were to, you know, have recognized his game back then, this guy's kind of like Kevin Fareed, but with a shot is what yeah, I would say. Because yeah. he had that, you know, ability to make, to, to play make out of the short role as well. Was a really good rim runner um, and did a lot of other things. Sorry, there was a, a fly at the mainstream mouse station here. So <laughs> we had to eradicate that real quick. Um, oh, he's still there. Well, he's still he he, he wants to listen to uh, the Mavericks uh, draft profiles. But no, yeah, I mean, going back to Jarius Walker, um, this is a guy defensively, uh, you know, that he can really change a game with how he's able to, uh, you know, switch um, and also, you know, rotate as the low man and be able to, you know, be a weak side. Uh, shot blocker, but also just switch on to, you know, some of those bigger wings and stay in front of him. So that's great size, great rebounding, um, you know, great passer, especially in half half court scenarios, just really savvy as a basketball player. You know, my, my one thing for him is just being able to tap into his aggressiveness a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. It almost seems as if, you know, with that frame, he's a little hesitant offensively. Um, you know, if he has a guy sealed, he gets himself in usually like great position sometimes, but he, he opts to finish with, you know, a little bit more finesse and like even more so than like Taylor Hendricks, I would say he like kind of just generally uh, shies away from contact. Uh, you know, he shoots like a lot of like kind of like leaning away shots off of one foot. He doesn't go into defenders and it ends up panning out for him because he does have a pretty deep bag in certain in terms of like his Euro steps and his moves that he can use in those scenarios. But he's such an overpowering, you know, daunting athlete that I think a lot of people, uh, you know, he, he's getting swarmed defensively by, you know, whoever he's on, once he does get with inside the paint, you know, people uh, don't just turn a blind eye to that, you know, because of how athletic he is, he needs to find a better way to uh, be able to harness, you know, a drop step or 
you know, just being able to jump off two feet better when he does get in those positions because he could easily finish over the top over a lot of these guys. Uh, and that'll be something he needs to add for sure in the NBA. But he's a great cutter. Uh, he's a pretty decent rim runner in pick and roll scenarios. Um, can also open up to the pick and pop game a little bit more. I believe he shot like 34% from three last year. I, I think believe so, yeah. so he he's not bad at all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, I would not even label him like a negative shooter, but you know, extending to the NBA range will be a little bit of a challenge. I wouldn't expect him to come in and, you know, absolutely light it up from three day one, but he can definitely be an elite shooter at a certain stage in his career. He, he doesn't have a bad shot. He has pretty good mechanics. So once uh, things start to develop them for him throughout the course of his career. Uh, this is a guy that, you know, could be a, like almost like a, a bigger Draymond Green-esque type of player. Um, you know, I don't know how much his his facilitating uh, skills are going to be able to translate and his ability to run in transition and facilitate as, as well in the short role. I don't know if that's going to be, you know, as comparable to Draymond just because He's a guy who's perpetually averaged like eight assists throughout his career. Yeah. Um, but he's a guy given the right offense. He has uh like, you know, he has a there's an off chance that he could reach that potential offensively, uh, but you know, a far more extensive offensive toolbox. And um, you know, I, I don't I, I think he still needs to patch some stuff up on defense in terms of, you know, taming some of his aggression. He did have a tendency to to get a little uh, you know, I wouldn't he, He's, he's light on his feet for how big he yeah, is, probably, yeah. how big he is. But, you know, just due to his size, there were a few times, especially against smaller guards where he got a little heavy footed. And, you know, if he can just, I, I think, uh, be a little bit more savvy. Um, I think there were even some times that you said that uh, he kind of like rejected switches. He he is definitely kind of like a chase defender. Yeah. Um, like he'll keep pursuing guys. Houston didn't have, you know, from what I watched on tape at least, it didn't seem like they were switching as much compared to like UCF, um, you know, with Taylor Hendricks, he, we saw him switch a lot more in the tape that we watched, um, you know, of course, and, you know, this is all off YouTube. So, you know, I, I didn't watch every single Houston Cougar game last year. So if they switched the 15th most in the NCAA, I do apologize. We would not know. Yes, yeah, so we would not know, but I mean, just based on the film, um, you know, he, he has the ability to cover a lot of ground and he rotates really hard. Uh, but it did see seem like that that Cougar team, uh, they they stayed pretty tried and true to their man defense. Um, so you know that that puts him in a position to, you know maybe have to improve his defensive IQ a little bit. But I think overall he's still very savvy. He has a really good feel for, um, you know staying in front of guys and you know keeping the ball ahead of him. He's gets a lot of steals just by poking it loose, especially against uh, guys trying to dribble around him at his size. Um, so he he just projects as a really rangy you know, insanely athletic player, you know, defensively, if he can get a little bit, you know, maybe lighter on his feet, uh, maybe tone, tone up a little bit in terms of his body. Uh, this could be, you know, one of the best defenders in the NBA going forward. Uh, you know, his, his potential is through the roof. Um, he's, you know, I, I mentioned this as well, but he's a good cutter, you know, kind of goes in tandem with the, um, the, uh, rim protect, I mean, not the rim protection that kind of goes in tandem with the rim running. Um, but, there are certain things throughout his game that if he were to hit in terms of his offensive creation, if that were to become something more than just him being in the short role, this is a guy that could have superstar potential, but I, I do think he has a little bit more of a grounded floor than a couple of the other guys, but he also, you know, is a, just a different type of player compared to anyone else that we've kind of covered so far. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one other thing that I wanted to really highlight 
uh, on sort of defensive positives uh, was his sort of blitzing ability. I think that he was a, an amazing hedger uh, in sort of the high screen pick and roll scenarios. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got a, oftentimes a lot of steals and that just sort of blitzing around the corner, uh, blitzing that screen heavy. Um, and that ball handler just really had no idea what was happening at the time. Uh, oftentimes any of the steals that, you know, we did see on the highlight reel uh, was often due to that sort of blitzing scenario. So I think that, you know, that's definitely something that he could definitely, you know, continue on and add a little bit more uh, at the pro level. But I think, you know, the the potential is there. Um, And I think from what we've seen, just from that ability alone, makes him a a really good defender switchability wise, uh, because oftentimes, again, I mean, he's just so aggressive that, you know, it might come to haunt him uh, a little later down, you know, against some of the more finesse kind of players, one of the more of the superstar kind of players, because he does use his aggressiveness. A little bit too much, kind of uh, Josh Green, yeah, is. young Josh, Josh Green. That's what I was about to say, um, or even still modern day Josh Green. But yeah. um, <laughs> like, I, I think that he could definitely uh, work on that a little bit. But because some um, of the steals that he was getting, where he was um, coming weak side and you know picking apart some of these ball handlers, I think in the NBA guys would be a little more quick to call out um, if a guy was rotating yeah, over, right, yeah. as well as. You know, I think some of the guys that were in a triple threat position in those scenarios would just be a little bit more savvy and aware of what's happening on the court. Because a lot of those college guys, they, it just seemed as if he almost caught him off guard with of how course, big he yeah. was. Uh, I don't know if he's he, – he may have to tone down some of the gambles he takes at the NBA levels. Um, his size and range is obscene, but he may not be, you know – he may not get away uh, with being less as less disciplined uh, day one in the NBA – as he was in college for sure absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely um i forgot what the next thing but uh is it compar- or, yeah uh, comparison roll. it was roll oh okay no yeah, yeah uh what do you think day one if he did get drafted of course with that 10th overall pick uh where do you think he would sort of fit i mean yeah because he, like i said this is another guy that's at the position i need you know with the mavericks i i still would probably covet hendrix as a little bit more of a day one fit day one, yeah. and jarius walker because of the variables in terms of you know his whole you know ability to perform in the short role you know play a little bit small ball five he's just a little more spotty in terms of where the ways you can use him but you know if he hits he could easily be better than Hendricks um I I would definitely say he'll probably start just because of his defensive versatility day one um unless you know there's some scenario where Jason Kidd's trying to bring him up to speed we don't know what exactly could happen Jaron because it's Jason Kidd that we're dealing with here we're just saying what we would do Oh, the, yeah. We're prefacing that we, this is like what we would do. You know, the Mavericks coaching staff has a mind of their own. They're the one actually running training camp. So we can't say what's actually going to happen. Like, I'm not saying any guy is any rookie that comes in with the 10th pick is just surefire to start. Would you yeah. say? No, absolutely no. not. I think obviously the, the first or second pick is one thing, but I wouldn't say that any of these guys are, you know, it's completely surefire to start because of namesake. Um, but Jarius Walker, I mean, he, he could come in. I think, you know, the Mavericks, he does have the ability to play next to a five, yeah. uh, just depending on who it is. Um, but you can also tap in him as a small ball five. But I think that that would take a little bit of experimenting. I think if the Mavericks got a serv- uh, serviceable uh, guy, especially, you know, just because Jarius Walker's jump shot hasn't really came into full effect yet. I think if the Mavericks did have another stretch five, they'd be comfortable playing him at the four right next to him as a guy who can rotate over as a low man. Um, you know, also if they did get a five, especially a rim protector, I think that they would use him a little bit more as like kind of a true four, but, but which in today's NBA, I, w- I would say there are some true fours, but they are, you know, they, I think that they're kind of dictated by their ability to 
guard, you know, heavier footed wings uh, and, you know, be able to, you know, defend the low post, but also rotate out, out over to the perimeter um, a little bit better than a five, you know, at least defensively. And then I think he can give you some rim running elements offensively, be a good cutter. Uh, he can probe in the dunker spot, but he's also going to be a guy that, you know, if you need to run a pick and pop, he, he he'll be steady there. But I do think coming into the NBA, uh, especially some of his offensive abilities out of the short role, if he doesn't have a clear path to the rim, um, you know, just understanding driving angles, things like that, uh, that may be a tough adjustment for him day one uh, coming in. Just, you know, I, I can see him getting punished by opposing rim protectors at times, uh, you know, just trying to do too much, having a little bit more, you know, too much finesse when he gets the ball. But his passing out of the short roll, especially if the Mavericks get some good cutters, um, and, you know, as, as much as like Kyrie and like Josh Green, stuff like that cut, um, he, he could definitely find some guys. He'd be really serviceable. Uh, another guy that I think would be, uh, you know, all first, uh, you know, rookie team or all second rookie team. I, it's really weird to, you know, label him and try to find his exact niche, uh, as he comes into the NBA, I could see him being a little bit more on the three and D side. I could also see him being a little bit more on the small ball five side. Uh, but because of his aggression and, uh, you know, he seems like a pretty uber competitive guy in terms of his personality and, you know, his, um, inclination to try and improve because of those factors. I, I just think that he'll end up fitting a mold somewhere, uh, regardless of where it is. But, uh, you know, I think that the hopeful scenario is that he comes in and, you know, he gives you, uh, you know, a little bit of that sprinkle effect in terms of being able to, you know, stoop down low if he needs to, um, as the Mavericks, you know, sole big man on the floor. Uh, but he can also you know, spread out guard, um, guard wings, you know, one-on-one, uh, and, you know, just be a guy that has to, you know, spot up and shoot in the corner or, uh, you know, primarily be in you know, like a backdoor cutter or, you know, you know, having dive cuts, um, you know, from the, from the wings, like 45 cuts, things like that. He can, he's still going to be a guy that, you know, is just moving around, um, the perimeter as, as well as cutting to the basket. If, He's not delegated to having to play a big, but I mean, you know, maybe one thing that you would hope that he could harness also a little bit better with that frame is his rebounding. He's a pretty big guy. Um, and he could even against NBA defenses, you know, he can use his size against a lot of centers to be able to grab some tough boards. So that's something I think he only averaged like seven rebounds a game or so. Only seven. I mean, only seven, but I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't no, it's not a bad number, but I mean, he was like, you know, far in the head, the um how am I forgetting what team he was on? Uh, Houston. Yeah, he he was like far and ahead, like the most like aggressive, biggest player on, Houston, on that yeah. Yeah, yeah Cougars roster. So you know, I, and he did play a pretty large chunk of minutes. So um, you know, I, I'm only saying that just because like I do think a guy like Taylor Hendricks in that range is going to give you a little bit more pop rebounding wise compared to him. But yeah, I, mean, I, you I know, yeah. I still I you know overall though I I still think you know just like Hendricks he'd be uh in the starting lineup have all rookie team potential yeah absolutely um i think moving on from there like you know ceiling and floor uh i mean peg we kind of already covered it but uh where what kind of role or what kind of ceiling do you think that this guy can produce i mean ceiling if everything were to hit and this is a big if but you know i, I definitely think there's more of an off chance of this happening but i mean he could be draymond green with a jump shot with you know some pseudo offensive creation abilities and i mean that that's a scary player to look at that's you know, uh, definitely one of a huge contributing role player, definitely probably an all-star 
Yeah. Uh, you know, he he's bigger than Draymond. He can cover more ground, has much more insane leaping ability. You He may not be able to get off uh, away with some of, you know, the recovery blocks and uh, some of the, you know, weak side rotations that he was able to pull off in college in terms of NBA, you know, guys being able to finish over some of that. But, um, I mean, if he, if he really taps into, you know, hitting his peak in his career, he could be, you know, Draymond Green with an expanded offensive game when it's all said and done with some of his, you know, pseudo playmaking abilities, especially out of the short roll, the short roll, you know, those are very much real. So yeah, uh, that that's what I would say is a ceiling. What do you, what do you think his floor is? Uh, I mean, the floor is kind of hard to say. I think that, you know, at his absolute worst, he's probably going to be um, a guy who may not fit into the small ball five mold, just kind of fits into a weak side sort of four. Um, not necessarily like a Paul Millsap, but an older Paul Millsap in the sense that he's just sort of limited in what he can do. Um, but again, I mean, I think that there really isn't a very low floor for him. Um, I mean, yeah, I just think he projects as such a good athlete that, you know, his floor is kind of hard. I I, I would say maybe honestly, like for a floor, if his jump shot does not translate to the NBA level, because I mean, we do have to take into account, he was shooting 34% from the college three, not even the NBA. If he does experience more woes from that perspective, I think Kenneth Fareed, honestly, is a pretty good floor for where he could end up being uh, just, you know, a really aggressive player. Uh, but, you know, maybe his overaggression on defense against smaller players, as well as his lack of a true offensive bag at the NBA level could be something to hurt him. That it, it just all depends on how real his offensive game is. Absolutely. His defense yeah. I think is going to be, um, you know, one way or another, if he ends up being more curated to guard wings or bigs, I think it'll end up being solid just based on how good of an, uh, you know, sound big athlete he is. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely agree with that. Uh, Boomer bust potential or uh, rating, I guess, one out of ten. I, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, nine on this one. I, I just think that uh, there is a little bit more bust potential than with uh, Taylor Hendricks and Anthony Black. I just think they're a little bit more surefire. Um, but conversely, I, I do think that you know the the boom archetype of this player uh, would be a player that we've never really seen before in NBA history, um, or you know we've only certain, seen not like shades of, but We've only seen, you know, certain tidbits from different players that kind of culminate into one, you know, talking about Jarius Walker here. Uh, we can kind of, you know, look at, you know, a few different players and say, okay, this is what he is. Uh, so, I mean, that would be a really scary player. This is, could be a guy that if everything were to pan out for him, I could see averaging like, you know, like 20, 10 and like, you know, two and two, like in terms of blocks and steals. I mean, this could be a very scary prototype, you know, a guy that also gets like five assists a game, a guy that we've never, you know, really seen. Um, a guy in the modern NBA be able to produce like that without needing the ball in his hands to that much of an extent. Um, I feel like he's one of the few guys that could really do that, but it, you know, would depend on a variety of factors in terms of all those offensive uh, things that he needs to develop upon hitting uh, like we kind of talked about. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, I'd go a little bit lower than you. I'll probably go with an eight. And again, I seen, I share the same resentment or not resentment. I share the same uh, sentiment or the same feeling as you um, just his ability. You know, I don't really think that there's much of a floor or bust potential. Um, if there is, I, I still think that this is a, a pretty good role for him uh, in the NBA and that's his bust. Uh, and then again, his boom, as you said, is kind of a prototype that we've never seen before. Um, I would probably go with the dominant Draymond green um, just, you know, playmaking, uh, and even offensively scoring wise, I think probably just a player that we've never seen before. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm definitely really intrigued with him. Uh, if he was available at 10, I would definitely be extremely hesitant to trade that number 10 pick because again, I think that this is just a generational type guy. Uh, and no matter what yeah. in the draft, I think that he's probably going to hit. 
in yeah. my opinion. So I would say Jarius Walker, he fits the mold of what the Mavericks need um, the most. Not from the perspective that I think, you know, I think Hendricks is a little more steady in terms of being able to, you know, be a little bit more role defined. Uh, I think with Walker, you're looking at a guy who, you know, can do a little bit of both in terms of, you know, being able to be a, a, a real, like a really serviceable NBA ready um, weak side shot blocker, just depending on the scenario, uh, as well as the guy who can, you know, comfortably guard wings. I mean, there's just a lot of extensions this guy can, you know, really get into with his game. I apologize about my dog, guys. Uh, she's getting real riled up. You know, somebody got home. So, uh, anyway, so, um, you know, that about wraps it up. Obviously, Georgie is having her, her own little fanfare here at the end of the podcast. So, we're going to go ahead and let her out. She's um, making a little bit of a scene. She got really excited talking about Jarius Walker. There she goes. All right. Yeah, I, I apologize about that, guys. If you guys have been longtime Mainstream Mavs listeners, you know that Georgie likes to come up in the background of every podcast, but literally, uh, rarely does – she ever actually caused a scene. So this is a, a rare happenstance here um, to celebrate the ending of our, of our draft profile absolutely, today. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh shout out to Georgie. So yeah, shout out to Georgie. Uh, you know, luckily, you know, it came at the end of the podcast. I think me and Jaren had that just popped up in the middle of nowhere would probably try to end it. But you know, when, when we get to this stage in the podcast, it's going to roll right through it. It becomes kind of, kind of intuitive to try to like come all the way and try to edit this far in it just kind of sucks too much uh, more than we can just get a measly little cover up for our for our good viewers out there as they have to listen to a dog growl and they can't hear us at all so you know i i do think that we are definitely some of the uh I, i'd say that we you know have the most fan curated content in the maps podcast industry Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we we really just produce the most quality content out here have a great Wholesome background family content yes yes you can see our great background here but we are working on improving that uh you know, I don't know if we really mentioned to the listeners, but uh, me and Jaron may have a opportunity to get a specific podcast room uh, in sometime in the near future uh, that we would be able to record to more often than not together. So if that ends up happening. We will let you guys know it's something that we are planning on one day. So that'd be really exciting if we could actually get a better setup. Jaron, obviously, if you guys ever see at his house, he has a far better one than I do. I have I do have a room full of like Maverick stuff. But I just don't have space in my room to really like record so i do apologize about that guys but nonetheless jaron do you have any other um thoughts to uh sort of wrap up these draft profiles that we've covered here today no i mean i think that we're probably going to continue with these i I would list this as more sort of stretch guys guys that are necessarily going to be guaranteed one thing we didn't say was uh because we did this for anthony black or you know we said we saw him projecting somewhere above 10 and i think you said jarvis walker but i don't know if we did taylor Hendricks. uh so you know jarvis walker jaron said he could you'd probably see him going anywhere from like five to 12. He does have a lot of volatility in that range. I would agree. Just kind of, if teams are like going strictly, uh, you know, for fit within those picks and they're, you know, less inclined to take a chance on a guy that, you know, is a little more multi-positional. I do think Jarvis Walker could fall, uh, but he could also get picked like right off the bat because of that, yeah. you know, boom potential. Like we talked about Anthony black, I do think is probably more surefire to stay within the five to seven range. Would you say Absolutely. agree with that? Yeah. I, I think that he out of any of these guys has the least amount of chance of falling to the Mavericks. I would agree. Yeah. yeah. Out of, yeah, I'll three that. Yeah. yeah. Um, And then Taylor Hendricks, I think is getting picked kind of like right before like eight or nine. I would go six to 12. Really? Range. Well, just because I could see a team taking a stretch on him, but yeah, I've just heard some teams have been like really keen, like Charlotte's picking right before us. Right. 
Or... Uh, no, it's Utah. Oh, Utah? Okay. No, I've heard some teams, you know, just in that 7-9 range, just like what I've seen on Twitter and stuff, uh, have been pretty, you know, keen in terms of potentially, you know, moving up to try and take him. Um, do you know where Charlotte's penciled in to take? I know they're like around our pick. Oh, I know that they have the second overall pick. Oh, uh, I thought they they had one more. I may be tripping. I may be completely tripping. They, they might have another pick. I'm not sure actually, but uh, maybe like a eight or seven. Let me see. We gotta look at this draft. We gotta we gotta look at this draft. I I, I may have just completely sold the bag here. Um, there is no lottery. Like uh, that. Oh, there it is. All right. Oh, Indiana. Oh, Indiana. That that was the team in Washington. Washington, yeah, yeah. I, I'd heard a lot of, I'd heard, I've heard a little bit of a smoke in terms of the the Hendricks Washington front on Twitter, but this is all, this is not me reporting or anything. Of course, this is just purely based off of speculation. Um, probably Bleacher Report and SB Nation articles. So absolutely, yeah. So you, you know, the best content here, at the mainstream mass podcast, without but, a doubt. Um, no, it's been a good episode though, and I, I definitely was intrigued at the guys that we covered today. You know, given the right trade, I wouldn't be. I don't think any of these three guys are so, um, you know, surefire that I just wouldn't be able to, you know, wouldn't be willing to trade them whatsoever if they're, you know, slotted to go 10 and the right trade comes along for the Mavericks. If it's really a, a bang, bang, you know, a plus trade, go for it. But, you know, specifically in Hendricks and Walker's case, just because of how much the Mavericks need players like that, if they're there, um, they're definitely some of the more guys out of all these draft profiles that we're, we're going to do that I'd be like probably the most keen to uh, in terms of keeping the pick. What about you, Jaren? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, yeah, if any one of these three guys were available at 10, I would for sure be hesitant in trading that pick. Unless it was a surefire trade. Yeah, this was, yeah, surefire. There, there are some trades, you know, that I wouldn't pass up on if, you know, the Mavericks of course are adding a third star or something like that. And, but, you know, in terms of um, those bang, bang trades, you know, the, these guys, are pretty legitimate picks in my opinion. But anyways, it's been a really fun episode. Tash out our first rendition of Draft Profiles. We'll have another one coming out tom- tonight um, where we're going to actually release all this junk that we made over the few- last few days. We haven't had a chance to release all of it at one time because we've just been hashing out content. But it's the kind of grind we've been on. We've we've got a lot of stuff edited, though. So everything will essentially be coming out tonight. If you haven't already listened to things on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, um, but we just haven't like really promoted anything. But you can still listen to the episodes. They're still coming out and stuff. Um, but tonight we'll we'll be rounding out some more draft profiles. Definitely not finished up yet, but we'll be continuing um, with Grady Dick as well as um, Azur Thompson. Thompson from the uh, OTE team. So it'll be a fun, uh, fun way to get back at it. It'll be a little shorter than this one, but uh, this was these were some of the guys I was most excited to talk about. So, yeah, you know, this one was definitely an exciting one, especially Anthony Black, you know, uh, a homegrown kid. It'd be really cool just from you know, the optics perspective at the Mavericks were to get him. So um, we'll see what the Mavericks do. Drafts is a little over. Draft is just about 11. Two weeks. Yeah, 11 and a half days away. Um, And these uh, we're going to continue to turn out these profiles and talk more about what the Mavericks can do with the 10th pick because uh, that is the way to improving this offseason. That's what we're about. That's the Mainstream Mass Podcast. So we appreciate you guys for listening. You can catch us at on uh, Twitter at Mainstream, uh, just 214, Mainstream 214 on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. We are available on almost any podcast listening platform. Uh, just make sure to follow or subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review if you uh, do feel so inclined. We would really appreciate that if you guys are listening. And uh, also make sure to get at us on YouTube, the Mainstream Math Podcast. Make sure to subscribe and like the video if you're listening on there. We'd really appreciate it. 
uh, comment down below out of all the guys we talked about, which one do you think is going to slide the furthest down the draft out of all three of them? Um, but barring that, um, if you guys subscribe there, you got all our socials. We are on TikTok now. Uh, get it. J- Jaron runs the TikTok. Mainstream Mavs. Mainstream Mavs podcast on TikTok or Mainstream Mavs. You can find it pretty easily. Just search it up. It's a video of my dog spinning around with a Kyrie Irving uh, shirt or something like that. I can't even remember what. Oh, it was a flat earth picture. Yeah, picture, yeah. yeah uh, taped to her. So we did that when Kyrie um, came to the Mavs. We tend to get a little bit ceremonial over here for the podcast. So, uh, you know, uh, we're going to continue to produce this uh, great A called quality content with dogs barking in the background for you guys on more, on more draft profiles. So we, uh, we will go ahead and catch you in the next one. This has been Will with the mainstream mass podcast and I'm signing out.